Lord, we're thankful that you call us to come to you not out of obligation. You don't ask us to do this out of some religious duty. You call us in love. And you say, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and meek of heart and you will find rest for your souls. We thank you that is how you call us. We thank you that your love is everlasting. We thank you that you call us to fellowship, to a meal with you. And in that, we find everything we could possibly want. Thank you so much, Lord. Amen. I'm going to tell you a story to start this message out, and uh, we'll see where we go from here. But when I was a kid, I had a... Um, you know, back back when I was a child, I mean, I, I think uh, Roy Rogers and all those guys still roam the earth. But anyway, it was really popular to do Western stuff. And so I had a um, Colt 45 ricochet gun. And this was so neat because when you, when you uh, hit the trigger, it would go ka-ching, ka-ching. And so I would go around the house going ka-ching. Ka-ching. I mean, and you couldn't wear it out. It was amazing. So my life was full of the sound. And I got to know that sound so well and fall in love with that sound so deeply that um, I decided one day, and I will remember, I don't even know how old I was. I could have been four or five. I will remember this moment for the rest of my life. I decided to take it up on my bed. And, I, you know, every house has a junk drawer, right? And what do you have in a junk drawer? A screwdriver, right? So I got up on my bed with this gun in the screwdriver, and I was fascinated by this thing. I wanted to take it apart and find out what made the ka-ching sound. And I took it apart. And I can't say that I really figured out what made the ka-ching song, but that, I think, was a day of great joy for my parents. Because that gun never went back together again. And I remember kind of giving it to my mom or my dad. I can't remember which one. And I remember that, you know, for some foreign reason, it wound up in the garbage can. Well, I guess what I'm saying in this message this morning is that, once again, I'm going to be taking something apart. I'm going to be taking our scripture text apart here. And I'm really hoping that when everything is said and done, we can get it back together again. And if not, that's why John's here. He'll help us. Get that poor thing back together again. Look what Dan did to the scripture. Um, We have a very interesting text. Uh, The the title is Love's Confidence. So if you have a Bible, you may want to turn there. We're going to be referring to this several times. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we know and believe the love God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And this is love perfected with us, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and he who fears is not perfected in love. What I'm going to do in taking this apart is just look at the religious words here. And the reason I'm saying religious words here is because I think oftentimes we say these things so many times that a word like love 
kind of winds up getting bleached out or, or a word like confess maybe gets bleached out in that whole idea of fear. What does that mean and how all, do all these things fit together? So we will do this. And here is my question in what we're doing here. I want to really kind of look at how we work. Do we really work? And what I mean by that is function. You know, I, I think we all think that we function well. And, you know, sometimes you have to go in for a checkup to see if that's really true. And here's the idea or, or the thought of what if we don't really work well? What if there is something uh, that we need to tighten up or that we need to look at more closely or we really need to take seriously? I mean, they usually say with men, men don't get healthy until they get sick. And then they have a doctor yell at them and say, no, get rid of the salt and get rid of the fat and all that stuff. And they say, Jesus, take me, I'm ready to go. But then what they usually do is they start getting healthy in their lives. They start looking at the way they eat. They start looking at the way they exercise. We want someone to tell us that, right? Now, I always like to bring in some trivia, and I, I really have no reason or understanding why I wrote NASA there, but NASA's a cool place, right? How many people like NASA? have been to NASA. You will be happy to know. You will be happy to know. And, and we were at NASA this week, and they never even mentioned this. Yesterday, the space plane landed. Did you know we had one? I didn't even know we had one. It has been orbiting the Earth. I wish I was making this up, but I saw this on Google News, so it has to be true. It has been orbiting the Earth for over two years. It looks just like the space shuttle. It has been orbiting the Earth for over two years. And it's been up once already, and it almost orbited for two years. 712 days or something. And you know, you might say, you want to go to the pilot on that thing and say, how was it being up there for two years? But guess what? No one was in it. It was all remote control. It was like a drone up there. Do you know why nobody was in it? There's probably 20,000 reasons why nobody was in it. But here's the idea. For every month a human being spends in space, they lose 2% of their bone mass, their bone density. For every month a person is in outer space, now I'm going to use these words, for every month they stay away from our atmosphere, for every month they remain away. For every month they do not abide in the Earth's gravity and atmosphere. They lose 2% of their bone density. So if somebody had been up in that craft for two years, you know what would happen? Man, they could do the limbo, right? I mean, you've lost 50% of your bone densities. Jack, be nimble, Jack, be quick. You know, my goal when I was 50 was to be able to do the splits. And I got really limber. I mean, I got like super limber. I could never do the splits. If you lost 50, if I lost 50% of my bone density, I could do the splits. But actually what would happen is you would die. Because your bones produce a lot of things in your body. Not just stiffness, but blood, right? That is why we can't send somebody for months and years out into outer space. But those words are important because that is basically, in our text, the definition of abide. To, to stay with, 
to remain with, to be with. What would happen if we didn't abide in Jesus, even as believers? I think that we might have a similar problem. So we're going to look at that. Now, in going through this, I I really want this to be a positive message, but this is sort of like a text that I just have to preach. And the idea here, you know, is, is like sometimes you have to look at a church. We need to examine ourselves, not only as individuals, but as a church, right? The book of Revelation, how does it start out? You have seven churches that are being addressed, And of those seven churches, some of them don't even know they have problems until Jesus tells them. Two of those churches have no problems, but guess what? They are highly persecuted churches. And they're living right on the edge with Jesus, and he has nothing negative to say to them. It could be... That if you're in suburbia and, you know, that maybe the Lord would want to tell us something. Wouldn't you want him to tell you something? Wouldn't you want the Lord to sit down with you and just say, hey, Dan, (laughs) you want him to talk to me, right? Yeah, Dan's got problems. Dan, you know, you need to sharpen this up, boy. I want the Lord to tell me stuff like that. I need the Lord to tell me stuff like that. And, you know, having the gift of shepherd teacher, not the position, but the gift of shepherd teacher, that's where your heart goes, right? You want to see people strong and be built up and become mature in Jesus Christ. In our generation, we are the encouraging and positive generation, right? We don't want to say anything negative to people. We want everybody to come to church. We want to be positive all the time. You know why? We want them to bring their whole selves to church. Therefore, we don't want to say anything negative. But we got to be able to put these things together. We want to be encouraging and positive, but we also need to be transparent and honest because it's the Word of God. You know, using all the analogies I can use, you go to a doctor, he's not trying to hurt you, he's just telling you what's going on. You listen to him. And I think that if the Lord sat down with us, he'd have a couple things he wanted to tell us. Now, the word, I, I mentioned last time that I preached on, on 1 John is that John is the latest of all the disciples, and he's writing to a world that has changed. I mean, you realize that when John was, uh, was with Jesus, and Jesus was telling him things, these things were burning in these guys. He has gotten to the place now, where you know, like maybe 50 to 60 years later, where the church has been established. And I think the church that he was looking at during those times, I mean, we see what it looked like in Paul's letters, but I think when John was writing... It looked like a church that needed help. It, it, the seven churches were right there when he was writing, right? John wrote the book of Revelation. Jesus said this stuff and he wrote it down. These churches existed at that time. Churches needed help. And I think what John is kind of wrestling with, and, and that's why I say I think you need to look at the Gospel of John. They're written side by side. They're written at the same time, basically. And I think John is saying we need to take this stuff really seriously. We need to, we need to tie up things that are loose and we need to, to take some of these words that we're throwing around and we need to look at them and we need to say, this is what this actually means. If you want to be healthy, this is what it means. So let's do that. And so, as I mentioned before, the, the book of 1 John is hard to teach because it's kind of hectic. It, it seems like he's saying grandiose, um, just uh, all-inclusive things. But I think if you look back at the Gospel of John, you kind of get some of the 
idea of what he's talking about. So let's look at some of these words, please. talks about confidence and fear and punishment in this chapter. So when it talks about confidence, and this is, this is from Bible Works 4. This is something any of you could do. You just pull it up on your, in your, uh, your iPhone or whatever kind of phone you have. Uh, confident, this word confidence means openness, frankness, to speak openly and plainly and freely. It's translated boldness. Yet, for fear of the Jews, this is John chapter 7, for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of Jesus. They didn't verbalize the name of Jesus in Jerusalem at that time because they were afraid of the Jews. That's how the word fear and this word come together. They had no confidence. They had no boldness in talking about Jesus because they were afraid. In Ephesians, Paul uses this word. He says right at the end, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul being an ambassador of Christ, right? We all are ambassadors of Christ. The idea of speaking it boldly, loudly. In John chapter 12, Nevertheless, many of, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Jews, and this is the word fear here, phobia, for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess. And we'll see the word confess later. Because they were afraid of being punished, put out of the synagogue. And what's really interesting here is that in John chapter 19, we talk about a guy that might have been a hero, but but what I want you to get in verse 12 is John's opinion of this. Because what he says is, they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. They cut their mouth short. Because they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. And then you go to chapter 19, and you know who that is. That's Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but for fear of the Jews, he kept it quiet. But Joseph comes out big in one place. But you know, that's all we see of Joseph of Arimathea. You know, so we don't even know how that played out. And putting chapter 12 together with chapter 19, I wonder... So, let's look at just the beginning of this verse and just talk about some of this stuff. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. God remains in him. God stays with him. And he in God. So, we know and believe the love God has for us. You know, um, just really quickly, because we'll talk about this again. This word so can be evidential. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in Him and He in God. And that way we know and believe the love that God has for us. Because if we're not willing to use His name publicly, if we're not willing to say who He is, if we're not willing to talk to people about Him, what do we know about God's love? You know, last week with the youth, we were talking about God's power. And it's like, if you have all this power, why would you hide it? If you know His love, and that's where John, I think, is going to, if you really, truly know His love, why in the world would you not want to talk about it? And see, this strikes me to the... I don't know if it strikes you to the heart, but it strikes me to the heart. Are we 
bold. We, you know, confident. I like the word confident. I'm very confident. Am I bold? No. But I'm confident. In my heart, I'm really confident. Am I bold? Forget that. Do I fear? Oh, yeah. You bet I fear. But we're about to read that love casts out fear. In other words, what's bigger? The fear of man? Or your understanding of the love of God. See how that would balance that out? If you really understand the love of God, it's like there would not be any fear. And maybe that would cause us to confess more because I would hate to think that by not confessing, I'm losing bone mass because I'm not abiding in Christ, which is where it looks like this passage is heading. Do we believe the love that God has for us? See, this isn't theoretical. I mean, we just had breaking of the bread here, right? And we, we come together and we talk about the fact that Jesus gave His body for us. He gave His blood to be poured out as a sacrifice for our sins to pay the price. Do we really understand the love of God? Because I think what John is saying here is he's seeing a lot of people who talk about the love of God, but they're doing absolutely nothing. It doesn't do anything for their lives except very humbly, very quietly in their heart. But that's not the gospel. And that was not the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus, I, you know, I, I study the life of Christ. He constantly went into harm's way. Why? Because he was some kind of sadomasochistic kind of guy. No, it was for us. He needed to have this stuff out in the open. He needed, even if there was just one person in the crowd who would open their ears and listen, he needed that person to hear. And so constantly, that, that section there between John 7 and John 10, Jesus is in constant conflict. In fact, he basically stands up during the Feast of Booths at a very important part, and he says, if anyone thirsts, let them come to me. He confessed with his mouth. Do we really understand the love of God? And I think if we're all honest here, we're saying, I think I'm in process. But I'm still pretty scared because John's going to juxtapose those two things. You can't be perfect in the love of Christ if you're also afraid. And maybe this is what we need to get over. So let's look at this. Word confesses. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, confesses means confess. To admit, declare, say plainly. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me try that. I'm saying I want bananas for lunch. I don't. How can you confess with your mouth unless it's vocal? That's what it means. If you confess with you see we what say it in your heart. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, I you know, I, I've got this memorized. I always hate doing this in front of people. See, I would be the kid in Awana that never got any points. Because as soon as I'm up in front of somebody, my mind just goes boop. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, for with the heart man believes and is so saved, and with uh, whatever, you, you get it. But this is the word confess. Um, in Luke, Jesus says this, and he says this to his disciples, which is really interesting to me. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me, acknowledge, confesses, 
me before men, I also will acknowledge and confess before my Father and before the angels of God. Uh, John chapter 9, the man born blind, they bring, they haul his parents in. And they say, is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? And they say, we know this is our son and we know that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know. And we don't know who did it. Why don't you ask him because he's of age? And it says his parents said this because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess him, publicly say, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, he was to be put out of the synagogue. The word abide, very quickly, it's a very simple word. It means to remain, stay, live, dwell, um, last, endure, continue. It, you know, the thing is, a word like this almost seems to be meaningless to us. You know, it's like I get up in the morning, I abide. What else do I do? I'm abiding. Do you love Jesus? Yeah, I love Jesus. I'm abiding. But what if, in order to abide, it really took some energy? You know? It, see, the definition that we have of the Christian life is, I don't get in trouble. Right? I'm honoring God. I don't get in trouble. I haven't committed a crime lately. I haven't cheated on my taxes. I haven't smoked cigars, or at least if I smoked a cigar, it was a good one. I haven't gone dancing, but if I did dance, it was Texas line dancing, which is obviously God's dance. See, we don't even think about the word abide. What if abiding is not as easy as we think? What if it actually means having to... Now, I just want to say it like this. God's love is God's love. The minute a person becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, they are fully saved. They're going to go to heaven. But often, what you see Jesus telling his disciples, telling his disciples who are going to go to heaven, is there are some things that you need to do. If you will follow me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross every single day, and follow me. Not everybody wants to do that. You, some of us have been around for a while, and we've seen believers of all sorts of different... And the thing is, the offer is open. The offer is there. He says, come and sit with me in my word. Hey, we will, we will I'll speak to you through my Holy Spirit. What a wonderful privilege this is. But we have, even as believers... We have the ability to go, nah, I'm too busy. Boy, God, if you knew what's happening in my life right now, you would understand that I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I mean, you know, I'll catch you in a couple of weeks. You know, around Christmas time, right? You're going to be there, right, God? Okay, around Christmas time, we'll get together. And I wish I was just speaking out of turn, but I've met a lot of believers like that. And it isn't that God loves anybody more than anybody else, but some people will take him up on that offer to sit at his feet every day in his word. Some people won't. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, to abide with them. And he abided with them for two days. It just means to stay with, be in the presence of. Okay, now John 15, this is going to be a little bit hard, but um, turn to John 15, and I'm just going to read 
a couple of verses because I, I kind of want you to get the impact. I really think that John 15 is a hugely important chapter in the Bible in, in terms of discipleship, in terms of our relationship with, with Jesus, in terms of understanding First John. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Right? Okay, we all get that part. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. How can you be a branch in Jesus without being a believer? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, now when I did the reading notes, I did a lot of studying. And the thing is, I found a source that was really interesting in this. Because, see, the thing is, what most Christians do, and the Bible Knowledge Commentary does this too, it tries to make everybody win. The Bible Knowledge Commentary makes everybody win on this passage. So, the thing is, it kind of looks like if you get cut off, you're not a believer. You were dead anyway. But it doesn't say they were dead. It just said they didn't bear fruit. Because notice what happens. It says, and every branch does not bear fruit, he prunes... Uh, that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already um, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This is only talking about fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you, cannot, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. It doesn't wither until it's cut. So the, all the explanations I heard about these are already dead branches, they weren't dead branches. They were just non-fruit-bearing branches. Now, I won't go into the depth of this with you, but what Jesus is saying here is that in order to bear fruit, you have to abide in me. You have to remain with me. And I don't believe in this section at all he is talking about a person who is losing their salvation. Paul tells Timothy, in a great house, there are vessels of gold and silver and wood and earthenware. Some for noble use, some for ignoble use. Hey, they're all in the house. Right? So if anyone cleanses himself from what is ignoble, he will be ignoble. He will be a vessel for noble use. But haven't we met vessels that just don't want to really obey the Lord, even though they're believers? I have. I've met all sorts of them. But I don't want to be that kind of vessel. I have that choice. I want to be a vessel that the Lord uses and uses well. I don't want to be something used to take out the garbage with. I think this is what John is talking about here. And what's so interesting to me is Jesus is saying this to his guys. Notice if you abide in me, these guys are saved, folks. They are fully believing. The minute that he is raised from the dead, I mean, they're good as gold, and they're all going to have the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is still issuing them a challenge. If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done to you. And I don't know where to go with this exactly, but I just want to suggest the challenge. I think that we really need to abide in the Lord. And I think the way we abide in the Lord is whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Confesses means public testimony. I think we need to be witnessing more. 
And I think the reason we don't witness more is because the love of God has not been fully grasped by us because it should give us the power, the stamina, the vision, the excitement, the I don't know what to be able to want to tell people about Him. Why in the world would you hide it? If I found flat screen TVs for five bucks right now and they were, they were real TVs and they were great buy and everything, I'd tell every one of you, I would call up my friends. I found German Fleischwurst this last week. I got right on WhatsApp and I told all my kids about it. Go to Aldi and you'll find it there. I get excited about stuff like that. But you ask me to witness to somebody, boom, right up in my throat. And then the question comes to me, Dan, how much do you really understand of my love? How much do you understand about the power that I have of what I have done for you? Are you really afraid of dying? Are you really afraid of somebody calling you a boogerhead? Because, you know, in, our, in suburbia, that's about the worst it'll ever get, right? It's not like we're in Iran or Iraq where somebody's going to actually kill us. Here in suburbia, you know, it doesn't happen. At the same time, I'm struggling with it every day. What does it mean to confess and abide? I believe that one of the ways that we abide in Christ, that we know that His love is coursing through our veins, that we really are understanding it, is we are willing to get out and share our testimony with other people. We've got to do it. And somebody's got to tell us to do it. You know, I hate it that the, the, the bar for discipleship is laying on the rug that anybody can just trip over it. Not any writer I read doing my doctorate loved that idea. Because there is a challenge from the Savior to deny ourselves and take up our cross every day and to follow Him. What would you do if you only had a week to live? What would you do if you only had a week to live? Now this is kind of tied into the question too. Uh, would you be willing you know, to take up your cross every day? You know, some, some of us would get poetic. I would love to see the birth of a moon or the death of an island. I would love to see the seven wonders of the world. And it's like, yeah, whatever. And we're going to see all that stuff in all eternity, right? If our theology is right, we're going to see stuff greater than that. Wouldn't it be important to try to reach out to some people that God has put in our, our, the network of our life to tell them, that He really is coming back. Wouldn't we really think that was the important thing? When Barbara understood that she was sick, I remember hearing this, one of the things she wanted to do was reach out to some of her family members. That should be on the heart of every one of us. Somebody at work, somebody in our family. Every disciple, when he is fully trained, will be like his master. Are you as he is? Because that's what it says in this passage here. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe. This is proof that we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. I mean, it, it's the power of that love. It's the power of that table, the, the broken body and the shed blood, the power of everything we read in Scripture that, that shows us that it's all ours. Wow. 
So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. By this, his love is perfected, brought to maturity in us, so that we may have confidence and boldness for the day of judgment. We approach the throne of grace with what? It says in Ephesians, boldness. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So that is sort of my paraphrase. I really think that we need to be witnessing to other people. You know, in discipleship, the, the clearest, shortest, crispest decision or, or definition of what Jesus did when he called his guys was this. Uh, Mark chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. He called them to be with him every day in his word, I think. He called them to be sent out to preach, and he gave them authority. And that holds true to every person who has come to Jesus Christ. But do we want to do something with it? And what will our legacy be? You know, I know that, um, oh, what, what is that guy? Uh, Rick Warren. Yeah, you know, people get down on Rick Warren, you know, big church and all this kind of stuff, wrote popular books, whatever. But what's interesting to me about Rick Warren is hearing his testimony of kind of how he got into the whole thing. When his dad was dying... This is he's talking about his dad dying, the impression it made on him. As his dad was dying, and he's faltering, faltering mentally, and faltering in his health and everything, at some point, just before he expired, he lifts up his hand, and he's going, just one more. Just one more. Just one more. And Rick knew what he meant. One more person to come to Christ. Now, whatever you think about Rick Warren, that's between you and God, but I don't, you know, I, I don't care. But where some of this stuff came from, came from such genuine roots of concern for lost people and wanting to see the name of Jesus lifted high. So, how do you reverse this stuff? So, the lady at NASA, I'll just tell you what she said. For people that have just been up for a few months in outer space, when they come back, most of it can be reversed with exercise and diet. Who knew, right? Exercise and diet. How do you exercise? Well, let's talk about the diet first. Be in the Word of God every day. Read your Bible. Pray every day. Pray every day. Pray every day. You, some of you know it. Read your Bible. Pray every day. And you grow, grow, grow. Now, you know the other part of that song, right? Don't read your Bible. Forget to pray. And you shrink, shrink, shrink. See, NASA, they're, they're being guided by that song. What a privilege. You know, this isn't duty at all, is it? The most important person in the universe says, Hey, would you like to have a cup of coffee with me in the morning? Or whenever you choose to do it. What an amazing privilege. I'm not making that up either. The most important person, the greatest, the most creative, the strongest, the purest person in all of the universe says, Hey, would you like to have a cup of coffee with me every day? And we'll, uh, I'll share my word with you and it'll strengthen your heart. But along with it, you need some exercise. Now, we could go to J, JP, and he could tell us exercises to do and all this kind of stuff. But Jesus already tells us what to do, to tell other people about him, because they need it. So, what I want to end this on is just this. 
is this is a very positive thing. I mean, I went out this week. I, you know, well, I go out in the morning and I pray, right? And um, uh, I'm a scaredy chicken. I really am. You know, I, I, I carry a thing of... Uh, I carry a thing of cards here. I, I actually I had more in here. They were the uh, in, invitations to the uh, fall festival. I give a bunch of those out, you know. And I carry these cards. I'm always a chicken when I give these out, but I feel like at least that's something, right? You know. I mean, it opens up the possibility of a conversation. But so when I walk in the morning, and this and it was this week, so I'm walking in the morning and I pass by this one car, and at the first of the year, somebody took. Glass, a glass marker and wrote something on the back of this car and I got intrigued by what it was. It was some girl, um, girl, woman, I don't know what, uh, uh, giving like a New Year's resolution uh, on how her life was messed up. And this year she was really committing herself to getting her life together and, and be a proud Air Force daughter. And oh, it struck my heart right there, right? You know, and so... So, you know, I don't know who she is. You know, I've left the card actually on the back of her windshield until it decayed from, you know, the Texas environment here. But um, so I pray for her every time I pass by that card. I've seen her kind of one time drive away in the car, but, you know, with blackened windows, you don't know what's going on or who this is. So I round the corner this week, and I'm, I've got the message going through my mind, and I'm praying. And, you know, and I'm feeling bad about myself because I don't think I'm as bold as I should be. And I heard a door, house door, close, and I, I just thought right away, you're kidding, that can't be, right? And I noticed the entryway light on in the house by that van, and then somebody came out. Well, I'm not going to look over there, because I'm a scaredy chicken. And I'm walking down the sidewalk, and I'm not making this up. This girl comes out on the sidewalk, and she says, hey, hey! Do you walk by here every day? I thought, okay, Lord. I can't deny this one. I gotta go over there and talk to her. So I go over and talk to her. And, uh, and I, I, I told her, I said, hey, I really, you know, uh, really enjoy the stuff you wrote on your car. I said, every day I come by here, I, I pray for you. She said, really? Do you even have a job? No, I'm a pastor. We don't, you know. No, I, I said, yeah, I, I said I'm pastor of a church. I said, by the time I get done here, you know, I clean up. I go to work and everything. And she said, well, would you pray for me right now? I mean, it's like, really, Lord. I mean, you're, you're kind of like laying this right out here. I can't even run from this one. I pray for. She said, do you have a Bible? And I said, yeah, I, I, I get you a Bible. I gave her one that afternoon. And uh, I'm going to see what the Lord's doing there and hopefully hand her off to Laura and Michelle. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. And I wasn't even counting on the Lord to answer that prayer. Um, I was going to show a video, and I'm not going to show the video because we're kind of out of time here. But I want, I want you to consider that. I want you to consider the fact that it takes some effort to abide in the Lord. It takes some effort on our part to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily, to follow. Those are all action words. But we do that because we love Him. 
And because of that love, it casts out fear. And we become bold in this world because we understand what in the world it is that He's done for us. How amazing it is that He died. How amazing it is that He rose again from the dead. That we can be called His children. That He is coming. That should overwhelm everything and make being a disciple and following Him the greatest thing on this planet. And we won't have that fear. We'll be getting, we'll fight with it, but we won't have it. We'll get over it. But we've got to start doing it. We've got to start doing it because I really think that it is a dangerous thing to be able to read the Word of God. And I think this is what John is speaking to, to read the Word of God, to know the Word of God, to name the name of Jesus, but not follow, not do it. We are left in this world as ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us be reconciled to God. What an amazing privilege. What a joyous message we have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You that You have loved us with such a great love. Loved with everlasting love, led by grace that loved to know. So just like in Romans chapter 12, where Paul gets to the end of this amazing thing he's been talking about with the plan of redemption and the amazing wisdom that you have and what you have done. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, because of the mercy of God, let us present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, which is our spiritual worship. Help us to worship you in joy. Help us to... Um, use the love that you've given, given us and take that love out and make it known to the people around us. Let us be those who not only have believed in Jesus Christ, but by our profession, we are willing to lay our life on the line and see if we can rescue a few people for the sake of our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen.